This is HPR episode 1862 entitled The Awesomely Epic Guide to KDE Part 1. It is hosted by Geds and is about 22 minutes long. The summary is a tutorial of the KDE desktop. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. from the UK and this is my first HPR show. It's an audio voiceover recording of a tutorial article entitled The Awesomely Epic Guide to KDE. I'll tell you more about its origins later in my introduction. I suppose I should kick off by saying I've been a Linux user for around 10 years and use Linux for all my day-to-day computing. I've also been a regular listener of most of the popular Linux podcasts from both the US and the UK that have been aired throughout this time and up to the present day. My background is in IT education, which started when I entered the formal teaching profession in 2000. Before that, I was an independent IT consultant, where part of my role was delivering Windows OS and application training, mainly to local authority and charity sector staff. I've mainly taught adult students from the age of 18 upwards. I've even taught seniors on a voluntary basis for the main UK charity that campaigns for their welfare. My only official IT education role now is as a tutor for a well-known UK distance learning university where I tutor and support students on two separate IT courses, one of which has a Linux component. I only ever use Windows in relation to this job and it's for a small part of it for downloading and uploading student assignments. As more and more of the university's tutoring, assessment and student interaction moves to the web, I feel that Windows as an OS is becoming less relevant in online distance learning. Okay, why have I decided at this time to post my first show for HPR? Well, there's a number of reasons, plus one important issue I'm trying to address. I'll try to keep my explanation short. Reason one, HPR is short of shows at this time, and submitting an audio version of a written article is the quickest way I felt I could contribute a show. Reason two, I'm an amateur musician who wants to use Linux to make music. The KDE portion of this show was originally recorded using Ardor 3.5 and Ubuntu Studio 1404. This was done to give myself practical hands-on project as a means of learning a few of the basic features of the program. While on that note, I'd like to give Tony Denton a shout out and say how influential to me his series of Linux jazz shows were in deciding to switch my computer music making and practice on my instrument, which happens to be keyboard, over to Linux. Tony, when are we going to hear from you again? Reason 3 is about diversity. I wanted to use the making of the audio recording to address the issue of diversity within the Linux community in my own way. Although born and raised in the UK, I'm of Afro-Caribbean descent. Both my parents were from Jamaica. 
I have listened to nearly all the various discussions on this topic over the past year or so, including those from HPR. It's an area I've been involved in before on a personal level, where my recruitment into a government service at the time, that's the early 80s, was partly due to a policy designed to correct the lack of diversity in that department's workforce. My personal opinion is that the lack of diversity within any group in society is largely an inherited situation, and blame or guilt should not be levelled at anyone. The responsibility for addressing the issue lies equally in both sides. Within the Linux community, the dominant participant group, and we know who that is, should of course adopt strategies that encourage members from the more diverse groups to participate and get involved. But if you're a member of that diverse group and are aware of your lack of representation, my argument is, why wait to be invited? Do something, contribute something, turn up at conferences if you can. This was part of my motivation for recording the KDE article. I decided to take the simple route first and make a contribution based on my current skills and interests. Fourth reason, accessibility. The audio version of the awesomely epic guide to KDE article was originally recorded for Linux Voice magazine issue 2 and credit must go to all the guys at Linux Voice and particularly Graham Morrison who I believe wrote the original text version and gave me the go-ahead to use it here. I believe one of the reasons for Linux Voice wanting to produce audio versions of the older text issues of the magazine was to make them accessible to visually impaired and blind Linux enthusiasts. Obviously I'm aware of all the great work Jonathan Nadu has done in this area, but my motivation here draws on some real-world experience long before I discovered Linux. My first ever IT teaching post was as a support teacher for the Royal National Institute for the Blind College in Redhill, Surrey in the UK. This was back in 2000 when JAWS, the proprietary screen reader, was at its height, Windows software dominated and blind users navigated their way around their PCs and applications by learning and then memorising hundreds of keystrokes. For the time I worked there, I learned much about the issues and day-to-day -day struggles blind and partially sighted people face ordinarily not just in the area of IT. What I'm really getting at here is, could a voice recording not be a quick way to produce shows for HPR, particularly when stocks are low? I know HPR prefer original content, and this should take priority. But could we not kill two birds with one stone, as the saying goes, by grabbing a piece of Creative Commons text, be it an article, tutorial, or any other topic of interest to the HPR community, and produce an audio version as an HPR show? That way, we keep the show stocks afloat and help the accessibility calls at the same time. My fifth and last reason is that I actually use KDE now as my main desktop. I run the KDE version of Linux Mint 17.1. I wasn't always a KDE user, only making the permanent switch when Mint 17 was released. Yes, KDE has its critics and I've been a Linux user long enough to have heard about most of its faults. My main reason for switching to KDE well, not so much a reason, but more a realisation, is that for me, many of its core apps are better than the GNOME equivalents. DigiCam, KDN Live, KB3, Critter, KSnapshot, Akula, USB Image Writer and Stick Formatter are amongst my favourites. Also, you don't have to get lost in all the configuration options if you don't want to. I don't. I only learn as much or as go as deep into the desktop as I need to to get my work done.
nothing more. Anyway, that's enough of the introduction stuff. Due to the length of the article, I'm going to split it into two separate HBR shows. So here's part one of the awesomely epic guide to KDE. Linux Voice, Issue 2, pages 86 to 91. The awesome epic guide to KDE, written by Graham Morrison and read by Geddes Peart. Desktops on Linux. They're a concept completely alien to users of other operating systems because of never having to think about them. Desktops must feel like the abstract idea of time to the Amadoa tribe, a thought that doesn't have any use until you're of a different environment. But here it is. On Linux, you don't have to use the graphical environment lurking beneath your mouse cursor. You can change it for something completely different. If you don't like Windows, switch to Xmond. If you don't like full screen apps, try GNOME. And if you'd rather the most powerful and configurable point and click desktop, there's KDE. KDE is wonderful, as they all are in their own way. But in our opinion, KDE in particular suffers from poor default configuration and a rather elusive learning curve. This is doubtably frustrating, firstly because it has been quietly growing more brilliant over the last couple of years, and secondly because KDE should be the first choice for users unhappy with their old desktop, in particular Windows 8 users, pining for an interface that makes more sense. But fear not, we're going to use a decade's worth of KDE firefighting to bring you the definitive guide to making KDE look and function slightly more like how you might expect it to. We're not going to look at KDE's applications, other than perhaps Dolphin. We're instead going to look at the functionality in the desktop environment itself. And while our guinea pig distribution is going to be Mangeo 4, as found on this month's DVD, this guide will be equally applicable to any recent KDE desktop running from almost any distribution, so don't let the Mangia background put you off. Fonts. A great first target for getting your system looking good is its selection of fonts. It used to be the case that many of us would routinely copy fonts across from a Windows installation, getting the professional Arial and Helvetica font rendering that was missing from Linux at the time. But it's still worth finding a font you prefer as there are now so many great alternatives to choose between. The best source of free fonts we've found is www.fontssquirrel.com. It hosts a Roboto, Roboto Slab and Roboto Condensed typefaces used throughout this magazine and also on the Nexus 5 smartphone. Roboto was developed for use in the ice cream sandwich version of the Android mobile operating system. True Type Fonts with their .ttf file extensions, are incredibly easy to install from KDE. Download the zip file, right-click and select something from the extract menu. Now all you need to do is drag a selection across the true type fonts you want to install and select Install from the right-click Actions menu. KDE will take care of the rest. Another brilliant thing about KDE is that you can change all the fonts at once. Open the System Settings panel and click on Application Appearances, followed by the Fonts tab, and click on Adjust All Fonts. Now just select a font from the selector. 
Most KDE applications will update with your choice immediately, while other applications such as Firefox will require a restart. Either way, it's a quick and effective way of experimenting with your desktop's usability and appearance. We'd recommend either Open Sans or the thinner Aula fonts. iCandy One of KDE's secret features is that backgrounds can be dynamic. We don't find much use for this when it comes to the desktops that tell us the weather from outside the window, but we do like backgrounds that dynamically grab images from the internet. With most distributions, you'll need to install something for this to work. Just search for Plasma Wallpaper in your distribution's package manager. Our favourite is plasmawallpaper.potd, as this installs easily across to updatable wallpaper images from a variety of sources. Changing a desktop background is easy with KDE, but it's not intuitive. Magia, for example, defaults to using Folder View, as this is closer to the traditional desktop, where files from the desktop folder in your home directory are displayed on the background and the whole desktop works like a file manager. Right-click and select Folder Settings if this is the view you are using. Alternatively, KDE defaults to Desktop, where the background is clear apart from any widgets you add yourself and files and folders are considered links to the sources. The menu item in this mode is labelled Desktop Settings. The View Configuration panel that changes the background is the same, however, and you need to make your changes in the Wallpaper drop-down menu. We'd recommend Picture of the Day as the wallpaper and the Astronomy Picture of the Day as the image source. Another default option we think is crazy is the blue glow that surrounds the active window. While every other desktop uses a slightly deeper drop shadow, KDE's active window looks like it's bathed in radioactive light. The solution to this lies in the default theme, and this can be changed by going to KDE's System Settings control panel and selecting Workspace Appearance. On the first page, which is labelled Window Decorations, you'll find that Oxygen is nearly always selected, and it's the theme that contains the option to change the blue glow. Just click on the Configure Decorations button, flip to the Shadows tab, and disable Active Window Glow. Alternatively, if you'd like Active Windows to have a more pronounced shadow, change the inner and outer colours to black. You may have seen the option to download wallpapers, for example, from within a KDE window, and you can see this now by clicking on the Get New Decorations button. Themes are subjective, but our favourite combination is currently the Chrome Window Decoration, it looks identical to Google's default theme for its browser with the AIA desktop theme. The term desktop theme is a bit of a misnomer, as it doesn't encapsulate every setting as you might expect. Instead, it controls how generic desktop elements are rendered. The most visible of these elements is the launch panel, and changing the desktop theme will usually have a dramatic effect on its appearance, but you'll also notice a difference in the widget system. The final graphical flourish we'd suggest is to change the icon set that KDE uses. There's nothing wrong with the default oxygen set, but there are better options. Unfortunately, this is where the Get New Themes download option often fails, probably because icon packages are large and can overwhelm the personal storage space often reserved for projects like this.
we'd suggest going to kde-look.org and browsing its icon collections. Open up the icons panel from KDE's system settings. Click on the icons tab followed by install theme file and point to the requester at the location of the archive you just downloaded. KDE will take it from there and add the icon set to its list in the panel. Try Cotenza for a flat theme or keep an eye on Nitrux development. The panel. Our next target is going to be the panel at the bottom of the screen. This has become a little dated, especially if you're using KDE on a large or high resolution display. So our first suggestion is to rescale and center it for your screen. The key to moving screen components in KDE is making sure they're unlocked. And this is accomplished by right clicking on the plasma cache in the top right of the display where the current activity is listed. Only when widgets are unlocked can you resize the panel and even add new applications from the launch menu. With widgets unlocked, click on the cashew on the side of the panel, followed by more settings and select center from panel alignment. With this enabled, you can resize the panel using the sliders on either side and the panel itself will always stay in the middle of your screen. Just pretend you're working on indentation on a word processor and you'll get the idea. You can also change its height when the sliders are visible by dragging the center height widget and to the left of this you can drag the panel to a different edge on your screen. The top edge works quite well but many of KDE's applets don't work well when stacked vertically or on the left or right edges of the display. There are two different kinds of task manager applets that come with KDE. The default displays each running application as a title bar in the panel, but this takes up quite a bit of space. The alternative task manager displays only the icon of the application, which we think is much more useful. Magia defaults to the icon version, but most others, and KDE itself, prefer the title bar applet. To change this, click on the cashew again and hover over the old applet so that the X appears. Then click on this X to remove the applet from the panel. Now click on Add Widget. Find the two task managers and drag the icon version onto your panel. You can rearrange any other applets in this mode by dragging them to the left and right. By default, the icon only task manager will only display icons for tasks running on the current desktop, which we think is counterintuitive as it's more convenient to see all of the applications you may have running and to quickly switch between whatever desktops on which they may be running with a single click. To change this behavior, right click on the applet and select the settings menu option and the behavior tab in the next window. Deselect only show tasks from the current desktop and perhaps only show tasks from the current activity if you use KDE activities. Another alteration we like to make is to reconfigure the virtual desktops applet from showing four desktops as two times two, which doesn't look too good on a small panel, to four times one. This can be done by right clicking on the applet, selecting paid settings and then clicking on the virtual desktops tab and changing the number of rows to one. Finally, there's the launch menu. Magia has switched this from the new style of application launcher 
to the old style originally seen in Microsoft Windows. We prefer the former because of its search field and the two can be switched by right clicking the icon and selecting the switch to menu option. If you find the hover selection action of this mode annoying, where moving the mouse over one of the categories automatically selects it, you can disable it by right clicking on the launcher, selecting launcher settings from the menu and disabling switch tabs on hover from the general settings page. It's worth reiterating that many of these menu options are only available when the widgets are unlocked, so don't despair if you don't see the correct menu entry at first. Activities No article on KDE would be complete without some discussion on what KDE calls activities. In many ways, activities are a solution waiting for a problem. They are meta virtual desktops that allow you to group desktop configuration and applications together. You may have an activity for photo editing, for example, or one for working and another for the internet. If you've got a touchscreen laptop, activities could be used to switch between an Android-style app launcher, that's the search and launch mode from the desktop settings panel, and the regular desktop mode. We use a single activity as a default for screenshots, for instance, while another activity switches everything to the file manager desktop mode. But the truth is that you have to understand what they are before you can find a way of using them. Some installations of KDE will include the activity applet in the toolbar. Its red, blue and green dots can be clicked on to open the activity manager or you can click on the plasma cashew in the top right and select activities. This will open the bar at the bottom of the screen which lists activities installed and primed on your system. Clicking on any will switch between them as will pressing the meta key, usually the windows key and tab. We'd suggest that finding a fast way to switch between activities such as a keyboard shortcut or with the activity bar widget is the key to using them more. With the activity manager open, clicking on create activity lets you either clone the current desktop, add a blank desktop or create a new activity from a list of templates. Clone works well if you want to add some default applications to the desktop of your current setup. To remove an activity, switch to another one and press the stop and delete buttons from the activity manager. Activities let you quickly switch between different desktop modes such as the search and launch mode, which is ideal for tablets. And that's the end of part one of the awesomely epic guide to KDE. Hope you join me again for part two. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.